Welcome to Rebellion Dogs Addiction and Recovery Radio Show, bringing you a 21st century look at 12-step life, the ideas and experiences we need, now with less dogma. This is our new show, and this is our new intro music. Uh, Tell us how you like it. News at rebelliondogspublishing.com. It's January 2014, and Vancouver is in the news. Winner of the 2025 AA World Conference. Congratulations are certainly in order. There's some controversy going on, which plays into a bigger drama around AA, and that's the learning curve of more and more atheists. Tolerance and inclusiveness is uh, being tested. That's nothing new to AA, as we'll discuss. Enter the time capsule and travel back to 1957, where the stage was set for this 2014 drama. There's nothing new under the sun, as Ecclesiastes tells us. Oh, by the way, in recent news, uh, I saw a November 2013 tweet. It said that a retailer Costco apologized to Christian customers because the Bible was labeled and stocked under fiction. Uh, Apparently that caused a kerfuffle. Hey, there is nothing new under the sun. It might have been plagiarism, and it might have been an original idea, but it's a pretty good metaphor, except for the fact that uh, the misconception was the sun revolves around the flat earth. But anyway, um, we're going to work with that today. We're uh, peaceful folk here at Rebellion Dogs. Uh, Not looking for controversy, but we won't back away from important issues either. Most of the time we'll talk about uh, the good stuff, what's new in the world of addiction and recovery. We have talks with experts lined up. In as much as experts exist in the white coat, black art world of substance and process addiction and recovery from it, as much as uh, recovery, unity, and service are the legacies of 12-step culture, rebellion dogs discussions will try to stick to this knitting, not drifting too far from these themes. Today, we talk about service and ask the question, what is stewardship and what is the message that we are charged with carrying and protecting? Vancouver Intergroup kicks out two groups out of the meeting list because they're God-optional AA wasn't AA enough for those who see themselves as larger and in-charger out there. These meetings that call themselves AA groups are describing the AA way without an intervening God, be he understood or not. According to the intergroup office manager, this is not AA. It's in contravention of the rules. I say the rules in quotes because... As you reach for your AA service manual or flip to the back of the big book in search of the appendix entitled The Rules, uh, let's see here, let's see here, can't find it. You might be saying, now Joe, you're just playing semantics. Every organization, spiritual, not religious, or otherwise, needs rules to protect it from, uh, you know, uh, the forces of evil, I guess. Hmm. Maybe you're right. Uh, We'll explore these questions today because, well, because they're pretty freaking important. How far is going too far for an AA group to still be called an AA group? Psychologists tell us that we suffer from biases. Everyone 
does. We systematically get things wrong. We distort reality or see what we want to see. The reason we are going back to 1957 today, we all do this historical revision. We all dismiss inconvenient truths and bang the drum for any fact that seems to confirm our bias. I do it. You do it. Vancouver Intergroup does it. The intergroup office there delisted these groups for the crime of reading non-conference-approved literature, which included a version of the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous without God, an agnostic version. That's right. Some agnostic groups read 12 Steps without the word God in them. Is that heresy? Or is that artistic liberty? Is that an autonomous group doing as its group consciences fit or is that in the category of except one to do so would injure other groups or AA as a whole if we don't know our history we are damned we're damned to repeat it would you think I was making things up if I told you that AA and Bill Wilson himself encouraged groups to express themselves as atheists or any number of unpopular, unconventional, and to some of us very alarming, deviant, nonconformist ways since, well, well, before 1957. In 57, two verifiable and noteworthy things happened in AA, which the members of Vancouver uh, might want to take note of, because they have a bearing of what's going on now in 2014. In 1957, the General Service Board adopted bylaws that govern the annual General Service Conference. Also in 57, A.A. Comes of Age was published, detailing our early history from the writing of the big book to A.A.'s 20th anniversary in 1955, where in the St. Louis Convention, A.A. was transferred, or the control of A.A. was transferred from the old-timers and co-founders, Bob and Bill, to the fellowship as a whole. Vancouver Intergroup isn't ground zero for an isolated incident that is really none of our business or only affects them. Although they might identify this current melodrama as an emergency, a crisis, or a new dangerous trend, they are wrestling with an issue that has already been dealt with by every generation of trusted AA servants. Here's the chronology in Vancouver. An agnostic AA group was formed, registered with General Service Office in New York and Vancouver Intergroup, where it was included in the meeting list. Someone didn't like that one bit. An agnostic group talking agnostically in Vancouver AA. The intergroup manager was let go. Another one was hired. She delisted the deviant group or groups because by now there were two of them. The virus was spreading. Here's part of a note she sent to Vancouver intergroup reps to justify her urgency. In January, there will be discussion about this submission. She's referring to an 18-page uh, report on the crimes of agnostic groups. And a decision will be made on what constitutes a listable group. Again, if you're searching your service manual, the intergroup guidelines, or the pamphlet P16, the AA group, for the word listable, you won't find it. 
It's a made-up word, but we all know what she means. We can't have anyone calling themselves an AA group without ensuring they follow the rules. As we chat together here, there are 100 to 200 groups, AA groups, that call themselves agnostic AA groups. There's a directory at rebelliondogspublishing.com. Go to links. If you want to know where all of them are, most of them are there. Jim B. was a friend of Bill Wilson's, one of the original members, and was an atheist until the time he died sober in 1974. He's credited for coining the italics phrase in Chapter 5, God as we understood him. So what was meant by this? Was that as far as Bill Wilson would go, or was he leaving the door wide open? Bill believed in God when he wrote the big book, and he believed in God and that God was looking after him in AA till the day he died. God, as he understood him, wasn't a God that needed his protection in or outside of AA. He wrote the book with the assumption of a theistic worldview, but he knew that his belief was just that, a belief. If AA could work without such a belief, good, Bill W. would say, defending the nonconformity of AA members by Bill Wilson is easy to find if you look in our history. He didn't tolerate sober atheists and agnostics. He defended and celebrated them. Not every non-believer in AA is a member of an agnostic AA group, just like not every young person who joins AA joins a young person's group, or every gay person joins an LGBTQ-friendly group, or that every woman only belongs to a women's group. Many feel perfectly comfortable in regular AA meetings. Some of us think and speak out that there shouldn't be any AA groups that cater to any identifiable minorities. We are all alcoholics, period. But we do have these groups because the decision for these groups to exist is up to the groups, not to the rest of us. So most towns have a, an atheist or agnostic who participates in AA. When someone reads God could and would if he were sought, we translate could and would if he existed. Some of us shout it out as an act of defiance. We don't pray, but please knock yourself out. If you want to, go for it. Some find God as we understand him inclusive enough, and some don't. To some, it's a question of integrity and rigorous honesty. You might say, but G-O-D can mean group of drunks, and good for you. I mean, many will go along to get along. In essence, some will take the position that I don't believe in an intervening, prayer-answering God as you do, but to make everyone else feel more comfortable, I'll talk in this godish language. However, some of us won't, and some of us don't. The question is, do you mind if we don't? Will you include us if we don't? Will you feel threatened if we don't? Oscar Wilde said, disobedience in the eye of anyone who's read history, is man's original virtue. It is through disobedience and rebellion that progress has been made. 
Now, not to dismiss the value of orderly positive change, there's lots of that, but I bet Bill Wilson might have agreed with Wilde. Our co-founder never discouraged others from criticizing him, his writings, or our fellowship. There's nothing disloyal about expecting more from your country, our fellowship, or the company you work for. Most of the hundred or so agnostic groups live in harmony with their inner groups and fellow AA groups. In the last few years, a, a zealous inner group in Indianapolis and Toronto both removed groups from their directories and then justified it later. Is this bullying of nonconformity a new phenomena? Well, pick up the pamphlet, AA Traditions, How It Developed, and see what Bill has to say or had to say in the 1940s. The first edition of the book Alcoholics Anonymous makes this brief statement about membership. The only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop drinking. We are not allied with any particular faith, sect, or denomination. We do not oppose anyone. We simply wish to be helpful to those who are afflicted. This expressed our feelings in 1939. The number of membership rules which have been made, and mostly broken, are legion. The way the more worthy alcoholic has sometimes tried to judge the less worthy is, as we look back on it now, rather comical. Imagine, if you can, one alcoholic judging another. At one time or another, most AA groups go on rule-making benders, gossips, gossip. Newcomers argue that they aren't alcoholics at all, but keep coming around. Others refuse to accept all the 12 steps of the recovery program. Some go still further, saying that the God business is bunk and quite unnecessary. Under these conditions, our conservative program members are scared. These appalling conditions must be controlled, they think, else AA will surely go to rack and ruin. They view with alarm for the good of the movement. At this point, the group enters the rules and regulation phase. Charters, bylaws, membership rules are excitedly passed and authority is granted committees to filter out undesirables and discipline the evildoers. Then the elders, now clothed with authority, commence to get busy. Recalcitrants are cast into utter darkness. Respectable busybodies throw stones at the sinners. As for so-called sinners, they either insist on staying around, or else they form new groups on their own. The elders soon discover that the rules and regulations aren't working very well. Most attempts at enforcement generate such waves of dissension and intolerance in the group that the condition is presently recognized to be worse for the group than the very worst that the worst ever did. After a time, fear and intolerance subsides. Everyone's learned a great deal. Those who rebel at the program, those who trade on the AA reputation, all such persons seldom harm AA for long. Some of these have become our most respected and best loved. Some have remained to try our patience, sober nevertheless. Others will drift away. We have begun to regard those not as menaces, but rather as our teachers. 
they oblige us to cultivate patience. We finally see that they are only sick people, like the rest of us. That we who condemn them are the Pharisees, whose false righteousness does the group the deeper spiritual damage. Our AA door stands wide open. We sign nothing, agree to nothing, and promise nothing. We demand nothing. We join at our own say-so. We do not wish to deny anyone the chance of recovery from alcoholism. We wish to be just as inclusive as we can, never exclusive. We are losing all fear of those violent emotional storms which sometimes cross our alcoholic world. Perhaps it bespeaks our confidence that every storm will be followed by a calm, a calm which is more understanding, more compassionate, more tolerant than any we have ever known before. Bill Wilson uh, made a, an actual film about the Twelve Traditions before he died. It wasn't Bill's idea, but he was the keynote speaker, and here's a little something that he had to say. You'll see that a lot of what the traditions were born of were counterintuitive to even his own intentions and his own best ideas. This is Bill Wilson in his own words. Google it anywhere, check your own YouTube page, or go to rebelliondogspublishing.com for a link to the rest of this talk by Bill Wilson about the Twelve Traditions. As every AA knows, we shall always be threatened by menacing forces within, and certainly in the world of great peril in which we live today, by menacing forces without. So, a very prime problem, the prime problem of AA, is first how to survive, and then to grow and prosper in numbers and in spiritual substance over the years to come. The traditions are the application of AA's 12 steps, the spirit of those steps, to the practical problems of living and working together as a harmonious society, of rightly relating ourselves to those forces which have so often torn societies apart. And while there is great room for interpretation of these principles, and the applications are innumerable, the solid substance of each remains still about as written. So these are reassuring facts about the tradition. And because I occupy the place, happening to be uh, the number one elder in the thing, and Dr. Bob number two, we were especially in the middle of all of this. I especially was subjected to very great personal temptations. In other words, most of these traditions actually run counter to some of my early and sometimes secret aims. And some of this stuff I'd like to share with you because it is relevant to all who follow us, old this is, this These temptations will recur time and time and time again. So, I think it's Perhaps I'd like to share some of this sort of thing with you. 
Now, if you read the Vancouver Intergroup 18-page report, you might see history repeating itself. Bill Wilson, as we see from what we read from the 1940s, understood something that has recently been articulated by a Harvard teacher. Dr. Robert Keegan is a developmental psychologist, author, and professor in adult learning and professional development at Harvard Graduate School. In his lectures and writings, Keegan refers to that which is subject and that which is object. Subject refers to that which controls us. It has us. Object is that which we separate ourselves from. We have it. In 12-step language, subject would be described in the first step. We were powerless. Our lives had become unmanageable. Now, after we're sober, that which was subject, our unmanageable lives, is now object. We can manage the highs and lows of life. We don't do it alone. We work the steps, rely on the fellowship. We continue to draw on this new, unsuspected inner resource that some of us call a higher power. Our more religious members in 12-step rooms call it God consciousness. Dr. Keegan, in his 2009 book, get this, immunity to change, how to overcome it and unlock potential in yourself and your organization. Something very profound is said in there. It will help understand the intergroup conflicts. I expect Bill Wilson understood this idea too. Successfully functioning in a society with diverse values, traditions, and lifestyles requires us to have a relationship with our reactions rather than to be captive of them. To resist our tendencies, to make right or true that which is merely familiar and wrong or false that which is only strange. Our reaction to change that which is strange or unfamiliar causes uh, knee-jerk reactions. We're all generally resistant to change. One of the opening questions we posed was, what makes a good steward of AA or 12-step culture? One attribute would be to not fall prey to these knee-jerk judgments and reactions. We all have biases and prejudices. It helps to keep these framed as opinions, not facts. In the same way we have a relationship with addiction, we can spot stinking thinking and combat it. We can learn to pause and reflect on many seeming emergencies too. We can ask when we are so sure of ourselves, what else could this mean? What would this look like if my gut impulse is inaccurate? Then, as Keegan says, our impulse doesn't control us. We are not savages. We do not have to be ruled by our every impulse. Because we have always heard the steps read exactly the same way, doesn't make them sacred, does it? As Dr. Keegan would say, saying the same thing the same way for 75 years only makes them familiar. A variation or interpretation in the 12 steps, for instance, an agnostic version that replaces the word God, this would be strange. It would be strange to us, but does it make it wrong or false? In an inclusive fellowship, one which is spiritual, not religious, nothing is sacred and nothing is forbidden. 
AA General Service has rules imposed upon itself that it can't change the steps without the group's collective say-so. That's because the groups govern general service. It doesn't work the other way around. Intergroup, AA World Service, the trustees, employees, or delegates, they don't police or govern groups and members. That may be how most societies work, sure, but not AA, not the AA that our co-founders put in place. Hence the inverted triangle with the members and their groups as autonomous entities at the top, the flat part of the triangle. The servants, boards, and committees are below. Des Moines, Indianapolis, Toronto, and now Vancouver, these cities have all run into conflicts between their agnostics and the local intergroups in the last few years. Indy is an example that reveals that this has nothing to do with agnostic steps. Indy we agnostics got kicked out of the meeting list. The reason was given that they were reading or interpreting a set of 12 steps that were forbidden. Intergroup deemed them not an AA group. In December 2010, we agnostics was removed from the Indianapolis intergroup meeting list and they wrote a letter back which read, we do not wish to engage in any controversy, but rather want to understand how we can bring the group back in line with the wants and expectations of intergroup. We're more than willing to alter our meeting format in order to be included in the larger AA community. I believe that our desire is clear that we agnostics have a chance to work with the Indianapolis intergroup to draft a meeting format which both addresses the stated intentions of intergroup and serve the specific needs of the members of our group. We Agnostics maintains a tradition of free expression and conducts a meeting where alcoholics may feel free to express any doubts or disbeliefs they may have, to share their own personal form of spiritual experience, their search for it, or their rejection of it. We do not endorse or oppose any form of religion or atheism. Our wish is to assure suffering alcoholics that they can achieve sobriety with the support of AA without having to accept anyone else's beliefs or having to deny their own. Sincerely yours, we agnostics. So the group called their bluff and they weren't reinstated. Or they were and then they were delisted again. There were hard feelings on both sides. It got quite ugly. The area delegate came to intergroup to plea with the intergroup body to stick to the traditions and recognize that in AA, a group is a group if it says it's a group, be it anti-AA, anti-God, or anti-each other. In the end, we agnostics is back in the directory. They don't read any steps at all. Some of the hard feelings have not mended, and it was so unnecessary. I'm a member of one of these non-conforming groups, Beyond Belief Agnostics Group in Toronto. Then We Agnostics was formed, so we were meeting on two nights. By the time uh, the vote came, we were meeting on three nights. In Toronto AA, we were included in the meeting list. And the groups each have a, a home page where they can really display just about anything they want. So we put up our version of the 12 steps 
uh, and the idea in our group thought this was a good idea and so did we that it would be a clear and full disclosure for anyone coming to our group. Uh, you can see all of the steps at aatorontoagnostics.com if you like or check out Roger C's book The Little Book, a collection of 12-step alternatives. Now six of the steps are identical to the originals. Uh, a couple of them are changed. The third step, for example, reads, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of the AA program. And step 11 reads, sought through mindful inquiry and meditation to improve our spiritual awareness, seeking only for knowledge of our rightful path in life and the power to carry that out. Uh, where uh, the steps refer to God as we understand them, we put something else. For Toronto literalists, they couldn't live with this. If they'd read AA's history, they might have thought, oh silly us, nothing to worry about, live and let live. They were determined to protect God in Toronto AA. And uh, so uh, they first wrote to General Service Office. Mary Claire got the call and responded to them. Here's what she said in her letter. What the other AA group does is none of your group's business. Taking another group's inventory with regards to traditions is just not done. So that didn't really satisfy them. They went to the delegate of Area 83. And here's what he said. I've received numerous emails and phone calls about a particular group in the GTA, that's Greater Toronto Area, that's using their own version of the 12 Steps. The only rules we have in Alcoholics Anonymous are those that we impose upon ourselves. We do not force people or groups, districts, or areas to conform to our will. While conformity to the principles set out in our 12 Steps is suggested, it's still only a suggestion. That being said, Tradition 4 states each group is autonomous except in uh, matters affecting other groups or A as a whole. Many things are done in AA, groups, district, areas under the banner of group autonomy. This is rightly so, although we must keep in mind the second half of the tradition, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. It is the responsibility of the General Service Conference to preserve this integrity of the 12 steps and 12 traditions. If a group chooses to use its own interpretation of our steps or traditions, they should have the freedom to do so. However, this should be kept within the group for those who agree and not placed in the public domain as represented or related to Alcoholics Anonymous. We need always keep in mind that whenever two people gather to share recovery from alcoholism, they may call themselves an AA group, provided as a group, no other affiliation. There's only one requirement for membership in Alcoholics Anonymous, the delegate said, and it doesn't include a belief in God. Somehow, the anti-agnostic contingent found in the letter a mandate to take the vote to intergroup. I guess it's all in how you frame the question. Intergroup reps were asked in so many words, are you for God in AA or against? And uh, intergroup executives didn't caution the groups that this, what they were doing was turning their back on unity, autonomy, and our primary purpose. In fact, they pointed to the agnostic group as being the ones that wanted to change AA for our own purposes. The groups did reinterpret the steps. That was made clear. What wasn't made clear that this nonconformity was protected by AA. 
and had been since the beginning of time. I mentioned that the altered or interpreted AA steps are a red herring, not the real issue at all. By now, you might be curious, what is this authority or false authority about rewriting the steps? In Toronto, I was not surprised to see several AA conservatives hugging their AA service manual under their arm like a Bible, all yellow highlighted and ready to fire. In Appendix E, Bylaws of the General Service Board, Inc., page S111, has this turgid little offering. The General Service Board claims no proprietary right on the recovery program for these 12 steps, as all spiritual truths may now be regarded as available to all mankind. However, because these 12 steps have proven to constitute an effective spiritual basis for life, which if followed arrests the disease of alcoholism, the General Service Board asserts the negative right of preventing, so far as it may be within its power to do so, any modification, alteration, or extension of these 12 steps, except at the instance of the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. On its own, without context, that might look pretty conclusive. No changing the steps. But who does this limit apply to, and who is the enforcer? That's not all that confusing if you read the rest of the service manual. The bylaw applies to the annual general service conference of trustees, delegates, and employees that approve and conduct the business of AA each year. It is the board that does the enforcement. It in no way applies to AA groups or members. Any authority an intergroup office exercises over the groups they serve is a false authority and an aberration of the 12 traditions that guide our fellowship. Intergroup doesn't define what a group is. Only the group of drunks itself can do that. Everyone is welcome to their own opinion but we don't all get to fabricate our own set of facts. Let's follow the facts. No one will insist that AA members aren't permitted to dislike agnostics or agnostic groups. Go ahead, show your stripes. But we can't all be revisionists with our history to justify bigotry. If we are intolerant of others, if we fear deviation from the norm, fine. That's not an AA. But when we say we are defending the will of our co-founders, we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to others. In Toronto, Barbara H. parachuted in as the intergroup executive chair, charged with the task of getting rid of the agnostic groups. Her first order of business on her first day on the job, she asked, Okay, is there any new business? Yes, I move that we remove the agnostic groups from the directory. They read a version of the steps that is not conference approved. Without blinking, she said, okay, thank you. Is there a seconder? And she looks right at another rep who seconded the motion. Everyone was right on cue, just like a script called for. To this day, despite the hard feelings that linger, she says, but except when to do so would injure other groups or AA as a whole as if the second half of Tradition 4 is a nebulous carte blanche for any nefarious AA indiscretion that intergroup chooses. So let's look at this, really. Does artistic liberty rewriting the steps injure 
or enhance other groups or A as a whole, or is it neutral? It's a good question. What would the author of those 12 steps say if he were here? How would he guide Barbara if she could call upon him? I know he isn't here, but what did he say for the record when faced with exactly the same situation? Let's follow the timeline. Bill W.'s essays about the traditions. We opened with that. That was from the 40s. In 1953, the 12 and 12 came out, introducing the 12 traditions. In 1955, at the St. Louis Convention of Alcoholics Anonymous, AA's 20th anniversary, the control of AA was handed over from the old-timers and Bob and Bill to AA as a whole. The bylaws I read about the negative right of prevention so far as it may be within the power to do so, any modification, alteration, or extension of these 12 steps was written by non-alcoholic lawyer and trustee Bernie Smith sometime while he was chairman between writing the traditions in 53 and the end of his tenure in 56. In 57, remember I talked about 57? Those bylaws were adopted the same year AA Comes of Age was published. And here, for the record, Bill tells a story in the chapter on unity about the first known group ever to take God out of the steps. He defends this group without reservation. On page 81, he's talking about Buddhist groups. AA is growing. It's going to different lands, different cultures. Uh, the Buddhists say they want to be part of AA, but they want to replace the word God with good so that the practice of the 12 steps will be compatible with their atheistic beliefs. Here's what Bill Wilson writes. To some of us, the idea of substituting good for God in the 12 steps will seem like a watering down of the AA message. But here we must remember that AA steps are suggestions only. A belief in them as they stand is not at all a requirement for membership among us. This liberty has made AA available to thousands who never would have tried it had we insisted on the 12 steps just as written. If that right to preserve the steps against modification, extension, la-di-da-di-da, applied to the groups, I think he would have mentioned it here. What he was saying to the AA population is an extension to what he wrote in the big book. When he's talking about step three, he says the wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we voiced the idea without reservation. Page 63. If before he died he had second thoughts about the artistic liberty of groups, he might have said something in 1962 when the 12 concepts of AA World Service were unveiled. Instead, he underscores the remarkable liberties that AA extends to our members and groups. Let's see, Warranty 6. Though the conference may act for the service of Alcoholics Anonymous, it shall never perform any act of government, and that like the Society of Alcoholics Anonymous, which it serves, the conference itself will always remain democratic in action and spirit. In preceding concepts, much attention has been drawn to the extraordinary liberty which AA traditions accord the individual member and his group. Forgive the sexism, I'm reading it the way it was written in the day. 
no penalty to be inflicted for nonconformity to AA principles, no fees or dues to be levied, voluntary contributions only, no member to be expelled from AA, membership always at the choice of the individual, each AA group to conduct its internal affairs as it wishes, it being merely requested to abstain from acts that might injure AA as a whole, and finally, that any group of alcoholics gathered together for sobriety may call themselves an AA group, provided that as a group they have no other purpose or affiliation. It is possible that we AAs possess more and greater freedom than any fellowship in the world today. As we have already seen, we claim this is no virtue. We know that we personally have to choose conformity to AA's 12 steps and traditions or else face dissolution and death, both as individuals and as groups. Because we set such a high value on our great liberties and cannot conceive a time when they will need to be limited, this would have been a good time to talk about exceptions if there were any. Oh, okay, back to the script. Uh, we here enjoin our General Service Conference to abstain completely from any and all acts of authoritative government which could in any wise curtail AA's freedom under God. The maintenance of these freedoms in our conference is a great and practical guarantee that the conference itself will always remain democratic in action and in spirit. Therefore, we expect that our conference will always try to act in the spirit of mutual respect and love, one member for another. In turn, the sign signifies that mutual trust should prevail, that no action ought to be taken in anger, haste, or recklessness. Care will be observed to respect and protect all minorities, that no action should ever be personally punitive that whenever possible, important actions will be taken in substantial unanimity, and that our conference will ever be prudently on guard against tyrannies, great or small, whether they're found in the majority or the minority. The sum of these several attitudes and practices is, in our view, the very essence of democracy in action and in spirit. Yes, God is mentioned in Warranty 6. The irony that atheists' rights are protected under God isn't missed on me. Bill was a true believer, and again, he believed in God, but not a God that needed his protection or AA's protection or intergroup's protection. We got kicked out. Uh, we're still kicked out, but not really. They kicked out two groups, then a third form, and they kicked them out too, then two more groups started in the Toronto area, both agnostic. We're growing in popularity. We are active on the phones, public information. We put meetings on in treatment centers and institutions. We do our share at the district and area. We still aren't in the meeting list. Maybe that will be rectified someday soon, but we are very much part of the tapestry of AA in Toronto. Tradition One talks about unity not uniformity. AA isn't a popularity contest. We never ask the majority to decide what's best for the minority. So there you have it. That's the short history of AA's non-believers. There is no penalty to groups or members for rewriting steps. Some groups don't read the steps at all. 
and others have adopted them in a way that they see fit. Uh, the real issue isn't uh, about the steps. It's about bigotry, a hate or mistrust for non-believers. Fear and mistrust is misplaced, as Dr. Keegan said, a successfully functioning society such as ours with diverse values, traditions, and lifestyles requires controlling our emotions, as he put it, to resist our tendencies to make right or true that which is merely familiar and wrong or false that which is only strange. And Bill Wilson told us about falling prey to these faux emergencies and faux threats to AA's overall well-being. A number of membership rules have been made and mostly broken. The way one worthy alcoholic sometimes tries to judge the less worthy as we look back upon it is quite comical. Imagine if you can one alcoholic judging another. At one time or another most AA groups go on these rule-making benders. In AA there's room for everyone. When we fear, we want to build a fence around our fellowship. Alexis de Tucqueville is actually quoted often by Bill Wilson. Check out Concept 5, but, but he once said, A man's admiration for absolute government is proportionate to his contempt that he feels for those around him. So what can be learned? When we become rigid about what the AA message is, we make rules. When we fear that our vision of AA isn't being shared or practiced by someone else, we want rules. How can we tell when some power tripper is trying to pull a fast one in our own AA area? Look for the common clues found in Toronto, India, or Vancouver. The faux crisis will sound urgent. The proposition is always one of binary thinking. Are you for us or against us? That's just not how AA is. Besides, there are no emergencies in AA. The fear mongers make up this faux language like listable groups. The AA service manual makes it painfully clear that we can all get along because we don't have any rules and there's nobody to enforce them. The only way to see rules get enforced is if we twist this inverted triangle. The servants become the leaders. GSO becomes our government and then, and only then, are members and groups subordinates to the wishes of others. Look, the more religious members can be dicks and bullies. Statements we hear like, if you don't believe in God, you're wasting your time. That's not sharing. That's not experience. That's pontificating. How about atheists don't really exist? Uh, who hasn't heard, there are no atheists in foxholes? Yes, there are. They're the ones returning fire while you're on your knees praying. Now, atheists can be dicks, too. They say things like, there is no God, get over it, or God is a myth. Aren't you trying to practice rigorous honesty? That's not sharing or experience, either. That's also being a dick. So, while most AAs or any 12-step member are moderates, mind their own business, live and let live. Some of us are dicks, and we all have to get along. If members scapegoat minorities, I got a problem with that. If minorities want all of AA to change to suit their view, 
I got a problem with that too. Tyranny can show itself in the majority or the minority. What we have to be on guard for is our own self-righteousness, our own apathy. We're all in this together. So that's a wrap. Most shows won't be me babbling. Most shows will be me encouraging others to share and talk. Uh, we've got some psychologists, some people from the treatment community. Uh, we've got quite a few things that lined up, and we're curious to hear what you have to say. Who would you like to hear interviewed? Who would you like to get the inside scoop from? What would you like us to talk about? The world is our oyster. News at rebelliondogspublishing.com We're listening. We're going to go out with a song. You don't have to listen to the whole song. We're just glad you uh, came by to check us out. But this is the rest of the song that we made the intro from. This is The Chronicles. This is a song called When You're Not the Lead Dog, The View Never Changes. Like jumping from a ledge retreating to a burning building Time to choose the uncertain to settle the breaking even A parable comes to mind from one of life's wise Eskimos Don't remember it exactly but this is how it goes Something like this When you're not the lead dog the view never changes Lots of crowded room full of faceless strangers when you're not the lead dog, the view never changes I can't settle for getting by, so bring all the dangers When you confess you have a dream, the others just don't get it Like an aging hipster, you don't want to be pathetic So you're told between a good living and a good life You ask if it's worth the risk, the sweat and strife Asking me when you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. Lots of crowded room full of faceless strangers. When you're not the lead dog, the view never changes. I can't settle for getting by, so bring all the dangers. I won't buy like a sheep, so I fight for what I see. You won't put me to rest with my concerto incomplete. Life is not a punishment, more like a treasure hunt So I'm jumping from the ledge, taking a run for the front As far as I can see When you're not the lead dog, the view never changes Life's a crowded room full of faces strangers When you're not the lead dog, the view never changes I can't settle for getting by, so bring all the dangers John McAndrew, and you're listening to Rebellion Dogs Radio.